0: Coastal family, y'all doing good in here today? Come on, do you like the person you're sitting next to this morning? You 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 have you have the next 10 seconds to find a new seat if you don't like the <laughs> kidding, kidding. Hey, it's so good to see everybody. It's so good to be here. Uh, as Pastor Steve had mentioned, I, I think my wife and I were trying to trying to remember. I think this is my sixth time here. I think it might, might be my seventh. We couldn't fully identify some of the dates kind of just run together, you know what I mean? When you're as old as me, you stop remembering everything. <laughs> kidding, kidding, kidding. Um, although, that's even talking about your back hurting in the morning. I, like, I felt that same. I was like, man, I'm just, I woke up this morning, I thought, man, I'm getting old, and my mother-in-law said, you need to start doing Pilates. I was like, what are you, who are you to tell me what I'm supposed to start? Hey, it's so good to be here. I, I love this place. I love this community. I love this church. I, I, uh, this place really is like family. Uh, there's no place besides our own church in Columbus, the church that we came from in Canton, Faith Family Church, and besides those two churches, there's no place I've preached at and been at more than here, and so this is like a third home to me, and it's so easy just to come here and, and to be with y'all, and um, I, every time that I come here, I'm always encouraged by how encouraging and kind y'all are. And I don't, think it's just a, I don't think it's just a Southern thing, uh, because I don't meet all Southern. Like i met met a lot of Southern people. They're not all that nice. Like, um, I think it's, I think it's a, a, coastal, a coastal community type of a thing. And, and so I just want to thank you guys for continuing to set a precedent uh, for, for, for guys like me. Because honestly, there's been a lot of times when we were starting the church where we said, you know, the, the community and the family feel of coastal is kind of what we're shooting for. And we actually asked your pastors to be... Some of our overseers, some of our board members, uh, to continue to speak into the life of our lives and, and of Ethos Church, our, our church. And people ask me frequently, what does ethos mean? Um, ethos, that term, E T H O S, the name of our church, it means the core characteristic or DNA of something or someone. And so we like to say that our mission statement, which is to love all people in Jesus' name, is our ethos. Our ethos is to love all people in Jesus' name, and so we we say we're shooting for the moon, and we know we're not always going to get it right, because loving people like Jesus loved people isn't always easy. Uh, It takes intentionality, um, but we just, I'd rather shoot for the moon and get halfway than shoot for halfway and only get half of that, you know what I'm saying? So let's just go for it all. Uh, Man, look, second service is full of a lot of faces that I'm familiar with. I see coach over here, and then principal over here, and boat builder over here, and pregnant down here, and... (laughs) I don't call people by their names, I just call them by who they are, what they do, but uh, it's so good to see everybody, and my boy Martine in the back, and I just, I, lo- I, lo- I love this place so much, I really do, and it's so, so good to be here. Um, hey, I want to begin, uh, um, I want to begin in Matthew chapter 13, I want to read six verses, and then we're going to, and then we're going to uh, jump into this thing. Matthew chapter 13, uh, do you love this house? Come on, when I, when I say house, I mean church, like we, we call it the house, we call it a house because it, it's a home for us. And this ought to be a place where you feel comfortable just to be yourself, to let your guard down. I don't know if you're involved in a group. Is this group season for you all? You have groups? This is, this is a great, I think, this is a great church to build some relationships with the people around you. Some of the best people you're going to meet all week are seated right around you. I, I really believe that. And when you connect in community, God blesses that. He intended for us to do life together like you really did we are better together than we are by ourselves you're, you're gonna coach you're gonna struggle if you got a running back without an offensive line right like you, we are better together you know that quarterback that takes all the credit and you're like you couldn't do nothing if you didn't have that if you didn't have that receiver to catch those balls for you right like you need somebody with some big hands you know what i mean and and that was i got big hands no, none of y'all follow that but that's okay um but man i just I, I it's so good to be here i love this place thank you guys for continue to believe in us. I really, I seriously mean that. You guys are precious to us, you really are. Your church was the first church to invest financially into Ethos Church. Get that? That's, that's special. That's special to us. And, and you continue to sell monthly into Ethos as well, which is, means a big deal to us. Just, to, just a quick, quick update. I know I'm rambling, but um, I know I'm rambling, so I might as well sit down. Um, I'm just kidding. But you, we in the last month, we've seen, in the last four weeks combined, I don't know what's going on today. A friend of mine is 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 teaching at Ethos today. Um, this is my first weekend not there, and so it's kind of hard. You know, my baby's only six months old, and so it's hard to, hard to leave home. But, um, but in the last four weeks, we've seen 17 people give their lives to Jesus for the very first time. First time. Yeah, it's amazing. We have 107 people involved in groups right now, in, in small groups. It's amazing. Uh, so, so God's he's faithful, man, in the midst of whatever it seems is trying to come your way, whatever storm or battle you might the experience. I'm telling you, man, God is always faithful. Just keep on plugging away. Keep on sowing seeds. Matthew chapter 13. Throw that up there for me, Carson. Matthew 13, verse 53. When Jesus had finished these parables, he moved on from there. And coming to his hometown, he began teaching the people in their synagogue. And they were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers, they asked. Isn't this just a carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary and Aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Aren't all of his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all of these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, they took offense at him. Paul's there for just a second. Keep that up there for me. Um, Carson's not even back there. Sorry. She's not even running slides. I said, put that up there for me, Carson. And what's, your, what's your name? Keith? True love. His last name is True Love. That's not even fair. That's not even fair. I had to convince my wife to marry me. My last name's Smucker. It's probably so easy for you. It was probably just that's not even fair. God, that's not even. Why have you forsaken all of us except for True Love? They took offense at him. You, you know this is. You know that's the goal of the enemy to get you offended. Uh, think about it for a second. We we hear a lot about offense in church, but it really is the goal of the enemy. God is always trying to bring people together as one in unity. The enemy's always trying to tear people apart and become divided. We got Republicans and Democrats. We got white and black. We've got we all, we, he, that's the that's the goal of the enemy is to see left and right. Right? God's always trying to make, make make two become one. The enemy's always trying to get two to or one to become two. This is the goal. And, and his, his strategy is offense. It's offense. It really is. And so, so they, 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 they see Jesus and they, they know his brothers, they know his sisters, and yet he's doing all of these miracles and they're offended at him because they're doing more than what, because he's doing more rather than what they're doing. And, and we don't like that, right? Because, because we would rather be kind of the head honcho. We'd rather get all the credit, we, we want to be on top, and we want to be the best, and so when we don't have what somebody else has, we get offended, and it's exactly where the enemy wants us to be, it's exactly where he wants us to live, and as a result of their offense, look, look at what happens, Jesus said to them, a prophet's not without honor, except, except in his own town, and in his own home, and he could not do Many miracles there because of their lack of faith. Because of the familiarity that these people had with Jesus, they grow offended because he's doing great things. Their faith begins to wane. They have a lack of faith, as the scriptures call it, and Jesus can't do a whole lot as a result. And Jesus' response to that whole thing, it's kind of as if Jesus is saying, because of their offense, because of their lack of faith because of how familiar they are with my family. And he says this. He says, I can't do a whole lot here because these three things together are revealing to me that they don't honor me. And as a result of their lack of honor, I can't really do a whole lot here. We're going to talk for just a, just a few minutes together from a, from a subject entitled, I'm talk entitled Honorology. Honorology. And if you try to look that up in the Webster's Dictionary, it's not there. Let's pray. (laughs) Father, we thank you for the few moments that we have to gather together in community on this morning. We love you. And we ask that you, God, would first and foremost continue to show us how much you love us. For it's only in understanding your love that we can love you in return. So, Father, we're asking through the power of your grace that you would make up the gap, the distance between what I've humanly prepared to say and what you want to speak to the hearts and the minds of every single individual in here. You promised that your word would not return void, that it would go forth and would accomplish your will. And so as we we prepare to hear your word and to speak your word and to apply your word, God, we're asking that the seeds of your word would bring forth fruit according to your will in good measure and in the right time. In Jesus' name, bless the North Carolina Tar Heels and bring them all the way to the championship. Everybody said... Amen. Amen. We're talking about honor, and I know you guys have been in this series called, called Living with Honor. And uh, I laugh because once again, I forgot the name of the title, but Pastor Stephen helped me out. And he said, if you forget, just look at that chalkboard right there. And so, first service, the entire time, I'm like, and we're talking about living with honor. Because <laughs> I kept forgetting. And, 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 but I want to I just, I want to briefly describe what honor is and what honor isn't. Uh, and just a simple definition. So, so honor, we're, we're, we're thinking of honor like this. And I'm sure Pastor Stephen's giving you much more in-depth definitions. But for, for the sake of our conversation, for some context this morning, um, honor for us right now is just to value, to, to ascribe worth or weight to something or someone. Okay, so, to, to, so let's lean into that to, to ascribe value, to value something, right? And because I'm not the smartest person Um, really, I, I find that to understand something, I, I, I do a, I do a better job of understanding something when I, when I study what it isn't, more so than what it is, and so a lot of times I'll look up, like, the opposite of whatever I'm trying to study to identify, right, okay, so we're gonna look up dishonor, okay? So dishonor, dishonor is to treat something as ordinary or as common, just, yeah, it's just, it is what it is, right, like, think about the first time that you came to church, and you were like, this is amazing. All these people smiling and they're kind and they're encouraging and they're and they're singing and they're and they're fighting battles by singing. And, and you're like, this is so good. And then a couple years pass on and it, it kind of becomes ordinary. Kind of becomes common again, doesn't it? And we're talking about honor and we gotta look at what dishonor is and And kind of in relation to this whole thing, um, let me ask you a question that totally applies to honor. How how many basketball fans do we have in here? Let me see your hands. Basketball fans. Okay, a lot more in first service. A whole lot more. At least half the crowd is basketball fans. How many of you like any sport whatsoever? It just, okay, good. How many of you don't like sports at all? Let me see your hands. Let me see, yep, you, and and the three of you are welcome to be dismissed at this time. (laughs) and, and. Um, I, I like sports. I think this is the best sports time of the year. Uh, it's one of my favorite times because, because of course we've got March Madness going on right now and it's just like nonstop, around the clock basketball and then the NBA playoffs are soon approaching so there's a lot of, a lot of competition going on there. And the, and baseball is starting to kick back up again which means spring has arrived. Come on somebody. And and of course then we've got we've got the, the NFL draft coming up and I mean it's just it's a really really exciting time of the year for sports and it's just it's fun and in particular March Madness is just a really enjoyable time of the year for, for me uh, I, 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 I love it like I I love I love that anything can happen like I, I love that any team can be any other team on any given day like it's just a it's it's the beauty of March Madness we the we're the best sixty four college basketball teams in the nation come together in a tournament, and and they just, and they just, they just play ball. It's a good, it's good. And and, in this particular year, I decided that I was going to invest into March Madness. I was, I was going to invest financially into, into some, into a couple brackets, and some people call it gambling or betting, and I, I really see it as an investment into, into March, into basketball, and. And so I, so I decided there's two, two leagues I got into. There's just 10 bucks each. And, and so I, got, I get in, I and mean, I, I did two totally different brackets, like different winners. And, like, one of them was real conservative. The other bracket's real aggressive. If you, if you know basketball, you, you're following along with me right now. And, but I do have the Tar Heels winning both brackets because I'm a Tar Heels fan. And, and, and let's go. And, uh, and you want to go to a game? They're playing in Columbus, actually, today right now, my hometown, and I'm here, and the things I'll do for the gospel, and, and, and so, 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 I'm, so I'm, I'm, I'm investing, betting, gambling on these, on these games, right, and it's funny how, how, as the game started on Thursday, I'm like, I'm all in, like, I, I've got, I've got my apps, my CBS app, my ESPN app, and, and, I, and I'm constantly checking scores, because I want to know, are the teams that I'm investing in, are they, are they winning, right? Like, I have to call it investing because otherwise my wife makes me feel like I'm sinning. And so my like, baby, it's an investment. And when we win, you're going to be so thankful that we invested. <laughs> but it's funny, though, because last year, last year, I cared about the outcome. I, I wanted the Tar Heels to win, but, but I wasn't checking every game. Like, I... I was rarely checking at all, but now this year, now that I've got some, now that I've got some weight in the game, now that I've got some money in the game, I really care about the outcomes of the, of the games, right? Like I'm, I'm a, You don't pay attention to the stocks that you don't invest in, do you? Like you don't look at Apple if you don't have any money invested into Apple. Which side note, anybody who thinks that gambling on sports isn't investing stocks are the same thing the same thing that's just this is just therapy for me okay everybody it's not for you that's just for me (laughs) i don't have a gambling problem i do not have a gambling that's my confession of faith i do not i'm kidding actually i don't i'm really getting myself into trouble here i don't i actually don't have a gambling problem really don't what am i doing right now just stop just stop i should just turn the mic off and leave all the parents are like, this is who they brought in. This is who my kids have been listening to the last six years, you know. Uh, but, but, but truly, though, we, we, we honor that which we, that we give more weight to, don't we? That, that we invest more, that we invest more into it. It, it leads me to, to my first point. I've got three points that I want us to lean into in regards to this talk, honorology. And the first one is that the level of honor that you give is determined by the amount of value you perceive. Now I give a lot of honor right now to March Madness. Why? Because I put some value into it, so therefore I perceive that I could receive some value from it. Because the level of honor that you give is determined by the amount of value that you perceive. Because your perception of something determines your level of honor for that thing or for that that person. Now now years ago both both of my grandparents on my on my dad's side have have passed away now. But but years ago uh, when my when my grandpa was was getting older in age, he's about his mid 80s. He had he had given me his Bible. He gave, he gave me he gave me the Bible that he had used for several decades. And 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 it's this big old Bible. I always tell people it's like it's a Bible that like only your grandparents could have. You know what I mean? Like one of those big old Bibles and it's it's just massive, man. It's like you you carry it, it's like you're working out just by holding the thing. And 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 he handed it to me and he said, Son, he said, I want you to have this, I want you to have this Bible. And and he said, he said, you know, we we've got twenty-six grandkids, and, and and your grandma and I, we always pray that we'd have this one preacher, that God would just give us just one preacher, and you're that one preacher, I want you to have this Bible. And he had it mean that the, the Bible is falling apart. Like, like the like the binding is is basically just completely dilapidated the, the page some of the pages are actually ripped and there's, there's all sorts of marks and things all over it. highlights and i mean it's, it's my it's my grandpa's bible for years and years and years now here's what you need to know about my grandpa is that my grandpa is a legend in my family like he's a legend my, my grandpa grew up uh, in, in a home that did not value or honor the word of god at all at all in, in fact he, he he grew up in a in a in what would have been a, a very religious home but a home that would have never paid much attention to Christ, right? Religion and Jesus two totally different things. And so, so he grew up in a home where, where the belief was that if I just do good, then God will see me as good. But it doesn't matter how much good we do on our own, we can never be good enough for the standard of God. Enter Jesus, right? And so this is my grandpa, and so, so... Down the line, when my grandpa got into about his 20s, he, he discovered faith in Christ. He, he discovered the good news of what, what we refer to as the gospel of Jesus Christ. That, that Jesus came and paid the price for you and for me so that we could be made right with God. That we wouldn't have to try to live a righteous life on our own. A life that we could never live in and of ourselves anyway. But that Jesus rather paid the price and the penalty that was owed to you and to me for our sins, our failures, our mistakes, and all of our pain... Jesus took for you and, and, and for I. And, Je- and, and my grandpa came to this understanding. He came to this this realization. And in return, in return, he gave his life to Christ. My grandmother gave her life to Christ. At this point, they had two kids. And my grandpa went on this journey of raising his family in church and raising his family in the Word of God. As a result, all seven of his kids gave their lives to Christ. All 26 of his Grandkids are walking with the Lord except for, except for one of them. And so, so my grandpa, uh, my, my grandpa is just a legend in our family. He kind of just, he set, he was the cornerstone, so to speak, set the page for the rest of the, of the Smucker family. And, and so, so we all just really honor my grandpa. So when my grandpa gave me that old, dilapidated, worn out Bible, it was a really big deal to me. I had that Bible sitting on, on a shelf in my office. It's actually on the very top shelf. All by itself, and my grandma, my grandma, I don't want to get emotional, but thinking about them, they they just they set a trajectory for our family that's just beautiful. My grandma gave me this this little wooden thing just before she passed away. This little wooden thing, really old. I don't know how old it is, but it's it's decades old. It just says never give up. So on the Bible, I have this little wooden plaque type of a thing. And it says, never give up. I just set it there. Because if I use it, it'll fall apart even more. Like, it, it, it needs to be in the Smithsonian, in like a glass case or something because it's going to fall apart. And, and, and what's funny, though, is that, is that, is that if, I, if I brought that Bible to you and you, you said to me, Jordan, I'll give you 100 bucks for that Bible, I'd say, no way. Jordan, I'll give you $1,000 for that Bible. I'd still say, no. Jordan, I'll I'll give you 10000 of that Bible. I would honestly, I'd still say, nope. Jordan, I would give you $100,000 for that Bible. I would say, it's yours. <laughs> and my grandpa would be totally cool with it. <laughs> I mean, there's a the price tag to everything, you know what I mean? <laughs> but, but we're church planners. We could use, we could use the money. And, and so, so, but the, the point is that that that. I, there's a lot of value in that Bible to me. But you really can't, you, you really can't, I mean I joke around about it, but you really can't put a price tag on it. Because it's just it's such, I perceive that thing to be of value. And therefore I give it a great deal of honor. Because our perception determines honor. If I handed that thing to you and said I'll sell this thing to you for a hundred bucks, you would look at it and think, Jordan, I could buy buy five Bibles this nice for $100. Like, I don't want that Bible. Because your perception of it is totally different than my perception of it. And our perception determines the level of honor to which we give it. In Genesis chapter 1, in the very beginning, God makes man. He makes woman. And he says, I'm making man in my own image. The same value that God has himself, he gives to us his creation. Of all that he created, we are the only things that took God's breath away. For he literally breathed his own breath into humanity and said, man, woman, value, honor. God sees you. And the person next to you, the person in front of you, and the person who cuts you off on your way out of church today, the person who tells you you're number one by giving you that special sign, he sees them the same way that he sees Jesus. Can we wrap our minds around that for just a moment? He honors them the same way he honors Christ. Because there's value that he perceives. Because when you value something, you're able to see the extraordinary in what seems so ordinary. Dishonor is to treat as common. To treat as ordinary. Oh, yeah, I've seen that before. Oh, it's Pastor Stephen again. Oh, yep, there's, there's Mama Tiff. There's, they're just you know, doing a thing. Oh, it's just handing the team. Just, they're just singing, worshiping. Up, oh, good job, guys. You did good today. Seen that dozen, hundred, Maybe two, three hundred times, and we see it as ordinary, we see it as common. Meanwhile, I think even what happens on a Sunday morning, God, seated in heaven, He's like, "Wow, that never gets old." I could never see enough of that. Oh, I love that so much. Thank you for honoring me again today, for putting your focus and your attention back on me again today. Because when we value something, we see the extraordinary in the, in the seemingly ordinary. A guy in our church, we're just six months old, we just last weekend celebrated our six month, our six month birthday, our half birthday if you will, and, and, and there's a guy in our church who this past week, he's been coming since day one, and he's about my age, and, and we, we were grabbing lunch together. And, and I could tell, we grabbed lunch together about once a month, and, and I could tell something was, like, different about him today. And he kind of had, like, that, like, quirky smile on his face, and he was literally sitting at lunch like this. He's like, and it's starting to freak me out. And I was like, Josiah, what's going on, man? Like, you're kind of, you're, like, strange today. And, and he's like, I couldn't wait to have lunch with you today. I said, why? He's like, I something i got to tell you. I said, well, what is it? And he's like, he's like, I started reading my Bible. He's got a big smile on his face. I said, you did? He said, yeah. He said, I downloaded the YouVersion Bible app on my phone. And I started reading my Bible. He said, every day on my lunch break, I read my Bible. He said, I've been doing it for about two weeks now. He said, Jordan. He said, there's so much stuff in there. <laughs> he, and he has got he screen grabbed a bunch of, a bunch of pictures of, of different scriptures that, that were really speaking to him. And he said, he said have you seen this one? And he's starting to get kind of facetious, and he's just being silly. He goes, you bet you never read this one before. And he's, and he's sharing with me what, what he's heard before, what he's seen before, but, but he's never seen it the way he's seeing it now. He's never, he's never honored it and valued it the way he's honoring it and valuing it now. And as a result, what always seems so ordinary and common has become extraordinary in Josiah's life again. And he's literally asking me questions, and he's pulling up scriptures. He's saying, how do I do this? How, how do I do this? What do you think about this? And I literally, it brought me back. Like, I was like, my God. This, I went home, I told my wife, I was like, that's what it's all about. It's, we got to honor the word. The way Josiah honors the word we got to honor the scriptures and the preaching of God's word with it, Josiah was so excited. we got to want to apply it to our lives. I mean, Josiah, there was one particular scripture. He's like, Jordan, I want to do this. I want to be like this. How do I do that? I thought, wow. I've read that scripture a hundred times. I've never asked that question because it becomes so ordinary, so common that I've lost the honor that I once had for it. Wow. I'll never forget years ago when I... When I, I was in India, I spent four months just before we got married on, a, on kind of like a, 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 a short term missions trip. And, and, and I was there for four months. I was preaching at this Bible school. And, and, I was, and I was actually one day preaching on faith and talking about how you got to find promise in God's word. You got to stand firm, like Pastor Stephen was talking about. You got to hold fast to your confession of faith, stand firm in the promises of God. Doesn't matter what it looks like around you. Does it matter what the storm's trying to come against? Like, you gotta just continue to trust and believe in the promises, in the miraculous power of God. And I threw my Bible on the ground. I said, sometimes you just gotta stand on God's word and don't let anything knock you off. And I'm just kinda preaching this, and I'm, you know, whatever, 21 years old, and, and I'm kinda all fired up, and, and, I, and, I, and I come off, and, and all of these, you know, it's a bunch of, bunch of, uh, Indian students, young college-age Indian students, and about five of them that are crying in the back. And I and I asked the, my interpreter. I said, I said, hey, what's going on with what's going on with that those students back there? He said, well, let's go find out. And he starts talking to them, and he says they're really upset with you. And I said, about what? That was a great message. <laughs> and he said, well. They said in their culture, the ground is very unholy. And that you would throw the holy word of God on the ground was very dishonoring to them. Because they said every day their parents wake up. At 5 a.m., they said. And they open up the Quran And they read it. And they study it. And they recite it. And they meditate on it. And when they discovered real faith, Christian faith, Jesus faith, and they realized that the Koran doesn't have anything, doesn't hold even an ounce of weight compared to the scriptures, they said, if that's how my parents honored the Koran, I'm going to honor this book tenfold. And that you would throw it on the ground was a complete disgrace to them. And I thought, <coughs> I'm sorry? You know? But it did something to me. It dawned on me. Wow. There's a weight to this thing. There's a heaviness to this thing. It's, it's healthy to lean in and say, God, if that's what you said, I may not always understand it. It may not seem like that's coming to pass in my life right now. But I'm going to honor it because I see value in it. Second thing that we've got to understand is that the level of value you receive. Is determined by the amount of honor that you give. So we first said the level of honor that you give is determined by the amount of value you perceive, but now we're saying the level of value that you receive is determined by the amount of honor that you give. Look what Paul says to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17. He says, give double honor to your spiritual leaders who handle their duties well. This is especially true if they work hard at teaching God's word. Give double honor to your spiritual leaders who handle their duties well, especially if they work hard at teaching God's Word. Now, I don't understand double honor. I'm not entirely sure what double honor means, but Paul is trying to get something across here to to Timothy. He's saying, look, those who teach you the Word of God, there's something about this Word that, that, that Paul says we need to ascribe double honor to. So those who teach it to you well, we ought to give double honor to it. Years ago, I was teaching uh, in our student ministry um, at Faith Family, our church in, in Canton, Ohio. And, and, and I mean, I've, I've, I, I had one time I figured out that I had, I had taught over 600 different messages to youth, to students. 600 different messages to students. That's, I was in youth ministry for a long time. And, and, and so this particular student that I'm about to tell the story about, he, he had been in, I don't know, 50 to 100 of those messages. I mean, he, he's heard me preach a lot. And, and he comes up to me after the end of one, of one Wednesday night message and he says, Pastor Jordan, hey, that's the best message you've ever preached. And, and I, I kind of looked at him and I said, I appreciate it. I said, but, and I want to tell you, that's not the best message I've ever preached. That's just the best you've ever listened. Because, because for the first time that night, I saw him engage in the message taking notes. He, had, he brought his Bible. He's opened up his Bible. I mean, he, he was like all in. Like, he really wanted to learn on that particular night. Most nights, he was kind of like the cool kid in the room who was kind of just talking to his friends and, and passing notes and, and just doing his cool kid thing. And, but this night, he was in it. That's the best message you've ever preached. No, 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 son. That's, that's just the best you've ever listened. Because the level of our value that you receive is determined by the amount of honor that you give. He received value from that message for the first time because for the first time, he gave honor to it. You know, there is a test of honor in your life. Satan will tempt you. People will tease you. But God will use the situations in your life to test you. Satan will tempt you. People will tease you. God will use situations in your life to test you. We can see this Loud and clear in the life of Joseph. Just just real briefly, if you're not familiar with, with Joseph, I'm not going to get into much detail of it, but Joseph has two dreams that he receives from God. And in these dreams, God reveals to Joseph that he's going to be put in authority over his 11 oldest brothers. So so Joseph is is, is revealing his dream to his brothers. His brothers don't like that Joseph is kind of showboating and 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 comes across as pretty arrogant hey hey, fellas hey i know i'm so much younger than you and most scholars believe that joseph was around the age of 12 or 13 at this time but but i'm actually going to be your boss someday to which all of his brothers are like no you ain't and they kind of plot against him and they say we're actually going to throw you into a pit joseph because we don't even like you and so they throw joseph into a pit one of his brothers is like that's so mean guys why would we throw him into a pit that's so rude Let's sell him in as a slave so we can make some money off of him, and then at least he won't die and we'll feel better about ourselves, right? Like like this is a jacked-up family. But uh, but so they sell him, they sell him into slavery. He gets sold to Potiphar's to, to, to into Potiphar's home. Potiphar is a general in in Pharaoh, the, the king of Egypt's army. And so he's in Potiphar's house, and, and at a certain point though, Joseph finds himself there for several years. Most scholars believe he was was in Potiphar's home for about 10 years. 10 10 to 12 years is our best estimate. He's in a foreign land, in a foreign man's home, working as a slave, as a servant, for 10 to 12 years. And it says at a certain point, he was so good at what he did, and he honored Potiphar, who was a secular leader. He honored him so well, that Potiphar only had to worry about three things. What he was going to eat, he's going to drink, or what he's going to wear. And as a result, Potiphar puts Joseph as his second in command. He, he promotes him. Does Joseph honored Potiphar that well. At a certain point, though, Potiphar's wife is very attractive to Joseph. It says that Joseph is, a, is an attractive young man, and, and so Potiphar's wife starts to come on to Joseph, and, 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 and Joseph refuses, though. He refuses to, to sleep with Potiphar's wife, and, 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 and at a certain point, though, Potiphar's wife tricks Joseph into being in a room by, by themselves, and then, and then convinces Potiphar, because Joseph's, or Potiphar's wife wasn't, wasn't real happy with Joseph, she convinces Potiphar, her husband, that Joseph tried to rape her, and he, didn't. he did nothing wrong. In fact, at one point, he looks at Potiphar's wife, and he says, I will not sleep with you, for how could I... How could I make this great sin in this grievance against God? He doesn't say, say, "How can I do this against Potiphar? How can I do this against you?" Everything he does is to please God, to please his father. And, and, and he refuses to sleep with her, but Potiphar's, Potiphar believes his wife and says, "You tried to rape my wife, throws, throws Joseph into prison. Even while Joseph's in prison, he honors the prison warden so well that the prison warden says to himself, all i got to worry about is three things. What I'm going to eat, what I'm going to drink, what I'm going to wear. And so the prison warden puts Joseph as second in command over the entire prison. So no longer is Joseph in prison, he's actually now over the prison. And eventually then, he finds himself in Pharaoh's home. He's hanging out, He's hanging out in the palace. He goes from the pit to the palace, and Pharaoh says to Joseph, you are so good at what you do, all I have to do is think about what I'm going to eat, what I'm going to drink, what I'm going to wear. I'm going to put you as second in command of my entire entire kingdom. From the pit to the palace, what got Joseph there? Honored. We think this is just something that we talk about because it's, I don't know. I don't know why we would just talk about it. No, this, this, is, a, this is a biblical principle in the vehicle that God uses to elevate you to the dreams that God's given you. Honor elevates, dishonor decimates. I served for 12 years at the church that we were at just before we planted Ethos Church. And there were plenty of opportunities to, to walk away and to get frustrated and to grow irritated at whether it's decisions or, or just feeling like you were dishonored or whatever it is. But I, I, I knew, I knew, I knew. Honor elevates Dishonor decimates. Every time that I responded in honor, I saw promotion elevation. Every time that I responded in dishonor, I can look back and I can see that there was decimation. God doesn't ask us to honor the honorable. God asks us to honor all. If if all we had to do was honor the honorable... There would be no test in that, would there? That's pretty easy. Because it's easy to honor my wife when my wife honors me. It's easy to honor my kids when my kids honor me. It's easy to honor my friends when my friends honor me. It's easy to honor people who can do good things to me. The test, the test is what will you do to those who take advantage of you, I, I remember when our trailer was stolen. I'm going to close up here in just a moment. Hannah, you can come up. I'm going to close it out here in a second. But I, re- I remember when our trailer was stolen with all of our equipment, all of our church equipment, and we would take everything to and from the school and set it up. And it was a Thursday afternoon, and we discovered the trailer was stolen. And, and I was furious. I was, I was like, I was like, man, if I just find this person, like. Literally, we had it on camera. We could see, the, we could see this, this large white Chevy 3500 truck dually backing up to our trailer at 4.37 in the morning, breaking off the, the lock and taking off with the trailer. And, and, I, and I, I was like, I'm going to find me that dually. I'm like, like, like I love Jesus, and, but I, I'm okay with okay the devil coming out of me every once in a while too. I literally, I, I, was literally I, I went to Home Depot that day because I had, we had to pick some stuff up that we have another trailer that had some, another smaller trailer that had some equipment. And we were like, we're going to lock this thing down. So we went to Home Depot and we grabbed, and there was a white 3500 Chevy Dually sitting right loading up some lumber. And I saw these two guys loading that lumber. I was on the phone with my wife. I was like, baby, I think I found myself a truck. And I hung up, I hung up the phone. I was like, I'm a, she, she literally said, she's like, what are you going to do? I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go at them. No, You know? I, si- I kind of, this is a true story. I sized them up. And I was like, oh, I could take both of them, no doubt. I could easily take both of them. Like, I might be a preacher, but I didn't get saved until I was 18 years old. So, man, I'll t- take both of you out. You know, I'm still still trying to work out my salvation. I'm going to work it out real good right now. <laughs> and I'm walking up to him. And literally, I felt like, like, first of all, I knew, like, I'm looking at the truck, I'm like, it's probably not even that, tr- it's not even the right truck, you know, but like, I wanted it to be, and I, and I felt like, man, it was just something kind of gripping me on the inside, but I kind of ignored it, I really ignored it, I honestly did. That Sunday morning, you know, we kind of just did like a, uh, kind of like a makeshift service that day, and, 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 and I'm preaching, and I just decided in my heart, I'm not going to, I'm not going to talk about the trailer, we're going we're gonna to stay focused on where we're going, so we bring it up, and we kind of. Discuss it just briefly, but for the most part, we were in a series on prayers. We're talking about prayer. In the middle of preaching, in the middle of preaching, you'd be amazed at the things that God speaks to you, even when you think He's not speaking to you. In the middle of preaching, I felt like the Lord said this. I want you to give it to him. I want you to give I want you to give that trailer to the people that, that took it. I'm preaching. Now I, I don't know what I was preaching. I'm, a, I'm kind of an emotionally unstable guy to begin with. So I started crying. It had nothing to do with what I was talking about. I think everybody's like, why is he crying? <laughs> and, and, and I started crying because I was like, God, I don't want to give it to him. I want to get it. I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to give it to him. You know? I don't want to give him the trail. I want to give something else to him. I want you to give it to him, Jordan. I, was, I wasn't planning on sharing this. I felt like God was saying, I want you to honor him. Because in the kingdom of God, it's really upside down. When God says in Matthew chapter 6, if your enemy takes your coat, give him your shirt too. If he slaps you on the one cheek, go ahead, give him the other cheek too. You know what Jesus is teaching us? He said, you can't take what you're already giving. You can take my shirt, but you can't take it. I'm actually going to choose to give it to you. Because the kingdom of God isn't traditional in the sense that we assume the leadership pyramid to be. It's totally, it's totally upside down, man. God flips the script and He says, you can't, you can't take you can't take that trailer from us. We sow it into you. I, I, I rallied our team afterwards, some of our, some of our key leaders at the time. We were only seven months in, so we didn't really have many key leaders at the time, but, but those that we did, we, we rallied them together and said, hey guys, I want you to stop looking at Craigslist, I want you to stop calling all the pawn shops, because we were calling around trying to see if anybody was trying to resell some of our equipment, I want you to stop it all, we're, st- we're going to stop looking for it. Literally, as I'm telling them, I'm like, I do not want to do this. I want to find it, I want to prosecute them, I want to come at them, and I want to slit their tires too, you know? And and, and I, want you, I want you to stop it all. We're going to stop it all. We're going to give it to them. And so the joke now is that, that we sowed our first church. We've already planted our first church. That's our joke. We're like, There's a church out there. It's got ethos equipment. You know, we, we already planted our first church. We, how old are you guys? We were seven weeks old. We how old were you when you planted your first church? We were seven, Yep. But we, we really mean it. We, we talk about it now. It's not even a thing now. I don't want the equipment back. I don't, I don't care about it at all. Like, if it came back, I, I would honestly give it away. I really would, because I felt like that's what the Lord told me to do. And he'll, maybe someday he'll test me with it. Maybe, maybe in a month we'll have it back. He's going to test me with it and see, did you really going to give it away? I would. I really would. I'd give it away. Because I want to live a life of honor. I'm not, worried about, I'm not worried about what's coming to me. I, I'm always concerned about, I want to always be concerned about what I'm giving out. A third and final point is honor is about what you decide, not what they deserve. So we say, I would honor them, but they don't deserve it. I'm so glad Jesus doesn't treat us that way. I would die for them, but they don't deserve it. No. While we were yet sinners, Jesus Christ honored us and died for us. Respect is earned based on what they've done. Honor is given based on what He's done. Respect sees the surface. Honor sees beneath the surface. Respect sees the ordinary. Honor sees the extraordinary. Respect sees with the naked eye. Honor sees with the spiritual eye. Respect sees what everybody else can see honor sees what only jesus and you can see honor digs beneath the surface and says there is value there i don't care who they are or what they've done or where they've been i welcome i'm so glad that we serve a god that's so big in his honor he does not look at our past he does not consider our shame he does not consider the weight of our sin He doesn't even think about the thoughts that you just had five seconds ago. He says, I honor you because of what my son Jesus has done for you. I think even right now, we got to flip the script. Some of you got to come back to Jesus with your head held high and your chest a little bit proud once again, knowing that, that we can come boldly to the throne of our gracious God in light and in lieu of who Jesus is. Not because of what we've done, but because of who Jesus is and what he's already done for you. So you don't have to be ashamed of your past any longer. Jesus honors you right where you're at. And as a result, we can say, I don't have to work my way back into good grace with him again. He honors me the moment that I say, I'm sorry, I've sinned, I've messed up. He says, welcome back to the family. In fact, he says, I never even considered you to be left from the family. Welcome back to your to your position that I've always held vacant for you in our family. So honor is about what you decide not what they deserve. And I want to close with this final thought. I think there's four phases to honor and I'm sorry church, I'm going a little bit longer. I'm going to close up here in three minutes, I promise. But there's, there's, there's four phases to honor. The, fir- the first phase is, we, we generally say things like, I'll honor, I'll give weight and value to, to that person, if it pleases me. If it, if, it, if, I've, if I, if there's something I can receive from it. The second phase is, I'll give, I'll give honor and value to that person, if it pleases others. Like if it, like okay, I'll, I'll honor my wife if it pleases my wife. Is it a, a happy wife leads to a happy life? Which just, by the way, I, I hate that. I hate that statement. It's like that's our goal, to make our, make each other happy. No, no, that's it's so much bigger than that. So much greater than that. The third phase is I'll honor them. If it. If it helps others. So please me, please others, helps others. I'll I'll honor them. If it helps you or helps somebody else, I'll honor them. I'll honor them. But but there's a fourth and a higher phase. And that last phase of honor is, is if it glorifies God. I'll honor because it glorifies God. Which, side note, it's really a test of character, these four phases. So I don't, I don't honor because it helps people. I don't honor because it pleases others. I don't honor because it pleases me. What if it didn't help anybody? What if it didn't please anyone? What if it didn't please you? But just simply because it glorifies God, would you still choose to honor Honor elevates, dishonor decimates. But we don't pursue honor so that we could be elevated. We pursue honor because we want to bring glory to God. And God is such a good and gracious Father that He said, I'll elevate you when you honor. But I don't want you to honor just so that you can be elevated. I want you to honor because it just brings glory to me. So can you honor? the dishonorable. Will you pass the honor test? I believe that you will. I believe that you will. I want to pray for you. You close your eyes for just a moment.